Occasionally, myself and our coaching staff at DadStartingOver.com, we run into a client who has issues that go beyond the scope of coaching. They may have really severe anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation, and this is the point where our coaches stop and say, have you spoken to a therapist? What a lot of these men say is, I've looked into it, not a lot of options in my area, it can't work with my schedule, or I have an appointment schedule, but I can't get in for another four months. In other words, the need is there. They recognize the need. They see the value in the therapy, but the options for getting the therapy are extremely limited in their area. Well, thanks to our friends at BetterHelp.com, there is an option for you. BetterHelp is a unique service that allows you to talk to a licensed therapist from your area via your telephone or your computer. You can do voice chat with them if you wish. You can email back and forth. You can text with them all on your time schedule, all from the convenience of your phone or your computer. So check it out at betterhelp.com DSO. That's betterhelp.com DSO and get 10% off your first month of service with BetterHelp. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Dad Starting Over podcast. And with us today, once again, is none other than Mrs. DSO. That's right. And just like with the last podcast we did, and if you didn't hear that one, listen back to it when we talk about the new baby. And with us today is the Bean. That's her nickname for. She doesn't get applause. No. No, you know. Hold on. You know what the sound effect should be for the bean? (laughs) For her. She should get crickets. That's perfect. So, as you guys may or may not know, part of the service of dad starting over is something we called coaching, that we call coaching. Um, I have myself and four guys that work for dadstartingover.com, and uh, men pay us for our time to talk about a variety of different issues in the world of relationships and men. So it could be being a better leader, dealing with a dead bedroom, hey, I'm going through a divorce, custody issues, what have you. And a big theme that comes out of a lot of these talks, and it's one that uh, Mrs. DSO here can relate to, it's a theme of, man, what is this guy still doing with this woman? You know, I'll have guys that'll sit and talk to me and tell me just horror stories of basically he's being abused emotionally, sometimes physically, by the woman. Um, but for the most part, it's a guy that is just getting, you know, I, I use the um, the analogy or the uh, scenario, this fake scenario of a man who's lying on the ground in the fetal position and the woman is kicking him. And with every kick, she says, I don't love you. And she just keeps kicking him. I don't in the stomach. And he's he's coughing up blood. And all he can think is to hang on to her ankles tighter and just say, yeah, but but we have real love. And guys like me are sitting back watching him going, dude, just let go. Let her go. The woman's giving you signal after signal for sometimes a decade plus of she fell out of love with you. And she disconnected and she checked out a long ass time ago. And this guy is still hanging on. And everything he's telling me is, is showing me that he is still hanging on. So, Mrs. DSO, when you hear, if I were to tell you that I have a guy who he know, he can, you know, he, he's painting a picture of a relationship where the woman is very obviously checked out for you know, years ago. There's no intimacy. There's no none of that 
stuff that makes a romantic partnership a romantic partnership. And then he will kind of, of course, I will dig and say, well, just curious, have you ever had any evidence of infidelity of her maybe, you know, talking to other men and stuff? And that's when the floodgates will open with, yeah, a couple of years ago, I caught her talking to this guy from work and yada, yada, yada. And she used to disappear for a couple hours at a time. And she swears up and down they did nothing. Or some guys will tell me she swears up and down all they did was kiss and that was it and blah, 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 blah. In other words, yeah, she's a cheating wife. And I know it. I don't want to admit it, et cetera, et cetera. So with you hearing these stories, the first thing that comes to your mind is what? To, what would you say to the guy if you were providing these coaching services or, or sitting down with your male friend at coffee and he's telling you these things? I think the most common thing is, uh, why are you guys still together? What is what is it that keeps you in this relationship that is obviously not good for either of you? Mm -hmm. And I would say a lot of guys would come back with kids. Man, I can't. A lot of men paint paint a picture of just complete and total chaos and awfulness that would result from him saying goodbye, wife. He, in his mind, goes, then she would take most of, most of half, if not most of my money, she would have the kids most of the time. I would be relegated to like some every other weekend and Wednesday thing like my friend Bob does and et cetera. So he just paints this picture of just awfulness. He's like, and I can't go down that road. I just can't do it. And that's a legitimate, you know. Yeah, I mean, here's um, here's my question for you. You and I both already have a history of failed relationships, marriages. Mm -hmm. And uh, my marriage previously was very toxic, not good. But I, I stayed in it. I would have stayed in it. I I wasn't the one to quit, even though it was highly toxic. What what kept you going? Your marriage wasn't great. Why why didn't you leave for that reason? You had three kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, in, in my when I look back, it was um, there was no overt toxicity like that up in, except for the very end. It wasn't, uh, you know, I wasn't emotionally abused, but there was just a lack of a real intimacy there for years. And there was resentments, sure, and all these other things. Uh, but then it was blown up by her finally, where she finally said, hey, dummy, you know, I've been giving you a lot of signals here for a while. Here's the final blow. I want a divorce. Yeah, but here's the question. Mm -hmm. um, was it real love the whole time? Now that you look back? Were you, or were you just fooled into thinking, oh, this is comfortable, this is love, we it have was, history? It was a, a machine that I was caught in. It was a machine of, well, this is just what you do. You get married. Well, this is just what you do. You have a kid. Well, obviously I'm, I hold resentments, some of which are, in, in hindsight, kind of shallow on my part. My, my, my ex-wife's weight gain was a problem with me, and that always kind of festered in the back of my mind of, yuck. And I resent her for doing this, and I resent her for being, uh, it's going to sound horrible, but large during our wedding. Um, you know, as a guy, you would hear stories of women, you know, binging themselves to uh, be in the best shape for their wedding ever. And and then as soon as the wedding's done, the guys say, uh, the, the wife pulls the, the grenade, the pulls the pin on the fat grenade. <laughs> I've heard some men say, meaning as soon as they hear I do, the woman's like, oh, finally, I can just let it go. Well, I, I never experienced that. My wife was just like, um, here you go, take it or leave it. And I was like, well, I guess it's just what you do. Yeah, and, uh, and I think that's that's kind of how it went for me, and that's how it goes for a lot of people out there is um, I was in a relationship that wasn't great, but I grew up with parents that didn't have the happiest relationship. I grew up with also a divorced family in a divorced family. Um, so did my ex-husband, 
So um, we were raised thinking there isn't mm -hmm. such a thing as a perfect marriage. Everybody has struggles, and you just suck it up, and you settle, and you, you make the best out but of it. But there's an element of truth to that, isn't there, which is commitment. You don't just say, yuck, this person's getting fat, adios. Exactly. You don't just say, oh, my God, my husband lost his job. <clears throat> Let me find me a replacement husband real quick. Yeah, so where do you draw the line? Yeah, exactly. There we go. So where do you draw the line? So this guy's telling me, these guys are telling me, you know, I caught this wife doing this and this. Um, it, it seems there's a general theme, and I recognize I'm prejudiced by the fact of who it is exactly I'm talking to. I'm talking to men who are very badly hurt or hurting and telling me these horror stories. And plus, I don't hear the other side of the story. Let's be honest. So what I hear, uh, the general theme is one of the woman saying, I'm going to push you away and push you away and push you away. And damn it, you keep hanging on. And the fact that you keep hanging on when I so overtly push you away actually makes me respect you even less. Yes, I actually experienced that firsthand in my marriage, or previous to marriage. <laughs> Meaning? Um, so I had this ex-husband that I felt wasn't really... He wasn't really giving me from a love perspective what I needed. I'm a very emotional, romantic person. I really, my love language is all about showing it and affection, kissing, you know, little touches here and there, little surprises. So that's that's my love language. My ex-husband's love language was much more subtle. Um, he said, oh, but I'm committed to you. And, you know, I, he was more of a silent lover. And that's just not what I needed. And I just I never felt loved by him. And so I kept pushing his buttons because I wanted to get some kind of passionate response out of him. I wanted him to get angry. I wanted him to just show some kind of show some kind of emotion because he was just not a very emotional guy. And I I kept pushing him and nothing would happen and I got more and more angry and I got more and more toxic and I I started picking fights just to get something from him and he would never you know engage in a fight and I was like what kind of weak loser is this that, that doesn't even fight back and lets me call him names and yeah you, you're getting a sense of, of how toxic my marriage got in the end is where I was just respecting him less and less for putting less and less of an effort into fight back and mm -hmm. so I lost respect for him entirely I, I've seen that with some men where they become so complacent and the wife tries and tries and tries, and he's like, "Why is she getting so toxic?" And you got a bored, bored ass wife at home who sees a husband who kind of checked out. Oh, I didn't check out. I'm still here. I work. I didn't. Well, yeah, but in her mind, you, you just painted the picture perfectly. You've checked out, and she needs some more out of you. But for a lot of guys that I talk to, it's yeah, they do put in that effort, and they do this, and they're so upset when the wife just basically puts the proverbial hand in the face, you know back off, back off, back off, back off. And sometimes it gets downright mean where he will do or say something that kind of rubs her the wrong way, you know, didn't wash dishes right. And she will drop some nuclear bomb of holy shit, emotional something, something like, well, now that's why your brother killed himself or something like wow. that. Yeah. And yeah, I was never that toxic. And he'll be like, <laughs> for the record, wow, where did that come from? That's holy, awful. Yeah. Holy shit. And he tells yeah. me these kind of stories. Um, and I'll say, this is a woman who is just kind of painted into a corner and she really wants out and she is trying all she can just to make you go away. And your ass just keeps hanging on. Why? And then, of course, every man will say, well, then why didn't she just say I'm out? I want, I'm done. And I say, well, a lot of women don't want to play the part of the villain in that mm -hmm. role. They want to be able to hold their head high and say, hey. He left me. I tried. <laughs> yeah. I'm the one who kept hanging on after his 
anxiety attacks, his depression. He lost his job. I was always there. What she doesn't say is she was she was also a tyrant during all those years. But she can hold her head high and say, I was always there. And he's the one that wanted the divorce. Yeah, nobody wants to be the one that is the leaving The person. bad guy. Yeah, you want to be the victim, of course, because you yeah. get all the compassion from your family and, and friends. To which a lot of these guys later discover when they finally throw their hands up and say, she wins, I'm done. And um, you're right. It's, you know, the damsel in distress is a very real thing, very real phenomenon. And um, some of you guys are in store for, yeah, your family shaming you or her family shaming you, mutual friends saying, what the hell are you doing, dude? And to which I always say, it's easier said than done, obviously, but who cares? Let them think what they want to think. You know the truth. And if somebody wants to sit down over coffee with you and go over it, you're more than happy to do that. But you don't rub it in their face and you just smile and say, you know, I'm sorry to hear that. These things happen. There's a lot more to the story, but thanks for your concern. Move on. Who gives a shit? But anyway, kind of sidetracking there. But so these men are in these relationships that everyone outside goes, dude, what are you doing? And he's still hanging on and hanging on. He can't understand why she wants to split. So you're going back to your question of how do we define dude get out, run, what the hell are you doing? You're wasting years of your life, and life, life is short, versus, hey, dude, come on, this is marriage 101 here. Buck up and, and put in some work here. Yeah, she needs to do the same. You guys need to work on this together. Here's what you need to do. I think every line is different. Yeah, I think there's deal breakers that are different for everybody. Like Some people can get over infidelity, apparently. I, I couldn't. Some people are okay with name-calling. I don't think mm. that's okay. But I think there are... There are very firm, clear, universal signs of this is a toxic relationship out of which no love and nothing good mm -hmm. can come out of. But here's the big sad fact is that a lot of you guys out there have zero definition of what that line is. Zero. And when I try to do the exercise of, I always say, I always call it walking it back. Like I start with the worst possible thing. All right, you walk in the door, and there she is in the middle of an orgy with five strangers. What do you do? He's like, well, obviously I walk. Okay, so we've identified that. Okay, you walk in the room, and she's making out with some guy. Oh, yeah, obviously I'm going to leave her over. Okay, now you've caught her texting with some guy online. Yeah, I'd probably divorce her over that. All right, cool. So, And keep walking it backwards, and keep walking it backwards, and eventually you get to the point where the man goes, I don't know, that one's kind of iffy. And you go, all right, we've defined your line then. Well, and they'll say, I've never thought about it that way before. And to some guys, um, everything I bring up, the guy goes, I mean, I think we could still work through that. Like, really? <laughs> yeah. And for a lot of those men, I'll tell you what, guys, um, your self-worth is so low. That's what yeah. it really what it boils down to. When I'm talking to these guys and they're telling me these horror stories and I'm just sitting there wide-eyed, you know, waiting for him to catch a breath. And I say, let me stop you there. Whoa, 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 whoa. What are you doing, dude? Well, that's, that's what I was going to say. The common denominator of all the things you mentioned yeah. um, that were deal breakers is um, there's no respect. Like if I think if you love somebody, you're truly respecting that person with, with everything they bring to the table. And so if a person cheats on you, if a person calls you names, if a person pu pushes all your buttons to get you emotional or angry, then they're not respecting you. And the problem is a lot of people don't even respect themselves. They have no self-worth, as you said. So if you don't respect yourself, then how how can you get triggered if your wife doesn't respect you either? Like if if neither of you respect you, then of course you're not going to have a deal breaker because mm -hmm. right? Yeah, because you're not and feeling violated by whatever she says because you're like, oh yeah, she's right. I'm a loser. I suck. 
and I've mentioned this many times that most of the guys that come to my website and the coaching and everything come because of that book I wrote called The Dead Bedroom Fix. And the theme of the book is basically, guys, here's what you can do. And for those guys that have very little worth, high anxiety, high neuroticism and so forth, they internalize that and it just ramps up the anxieties even more and it morphs itself into, here's a book that shows me what a horrible, awful, dumbass I've been. No wonder she's a tyrant to me. To which I say, there's probably a grain of truth to that, but not to this extent, dude. There's a point here. Stop blaming yourself. At some point, you're going to have to turn and point the finger at her and say, what in the hell are you doing? Why? Why are you treating me this way? Why do you act and treat the whole family like in this way? And again, it comes back to the man, you know, after a lot of back and forth in several sessions where a, a man will admit to me, um, a lot of this insecurities comes from childhood issues. I don't know what it is, but I tend to attract to my little world men who have absent father figures for whatever reason. It may not be the fault of the father. He's, you know, he's in the military and he's running off for months at a time. Who knows? All the way to, yeah, dad was cheated on mom and ran off and started another family. And I never saw him except for the summers, that kind of thing. And they're invariably left with a mom who's way overwhelmed. And she wasn't, there was never in the plans, husband takes off and leaves me with three, four or five kids. And now I have to fend for everybody and play the part of mom and dad. And sometimes, sometimes mom goes off the rails or she had her own baggage to begin with. And, and dad going bye-bye was, you know, the last nail on the coffin and she goes off the rails and becomes super narcissistic, toxic mom. And she creates these, um, boys that have zero sense of worth and let alone any kind of relationship skills or how to pick up girls or romantic romantic experience. That's all out the window. They have none of that. So they just get with the first one that makes goo goo eyes at them. And that's invariably the most toxic gal imaginable. And he knows all of her toxic baggage, but, and he shrugs her shoulders and basically says, Hey, finally, one of them likes me. What am I going to do? Turn her away. In other words, there's such a feeling of scarcity in such a low feeling of value, he'll take whatever the hell he can get. Now, the opposite of that is are these guys that I always talk about who are, they, they swing the pendulum all the way to the other way too far, like these super high abundance guys, the guys that women call assholes. And they're the ones that you're sitting at a dinner, ladies, with this guy, and you say something slightly snotty, joking, you know, and he just stands up and shakes your hand and said, hey, it was a pleasure meeting you. I'll see you later. And you're like, whoa, 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 what happened? And he goes, eh, life's too short. I'm out of here. Bye. That's super abundance guy. Cause he's like, I'm not bringing this. Uh, this is nuts. This is whatever. I, I, I see where this is going. He's, he's built up in his mind. Like I, uh, I'm already 40 some years old. I'll be 60 tomorrow. I'm not wasting another minute on this horse shit to it. To his credit, he avoids a lot of drama that way. Let's get, be honest. I was going to say, isn't he that the guy that gets laid? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's a guy who probably gets a lot more tail than the other guy who sticks around no matter what. Um, but, you know, you can take it too far. When some woman walks in the door and he's like, I don't like the way her elbows look. Eh, I don't know. I'm out of here. And you're like, dude. If it's a saggy weenus. <laughs> yes. You're going to have to qualify that. You can't just throw out saggy weenus. I don't know if you guys are aware that the, 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 the skin on, around your elbow. Who told us this? I don't my know. My daughter told I us that. I just made that up. That she calls it the weenus. <laughs> When I grew up, a saggy weenus was something else completely different. It's not something that you see on some woman that you're dating. And if you are, it's 2021. I guess that's fine. 
<laughs> oh boy. But anywho. Let's get back out of the gutter. Yeah. So, so in general, these guys I'm talking to have very little self-worth. Now, something that I have observed from you, Mrs. DSO, and I've observed it from a lot of guys, and this is bothers, bothersome to some men, but I completely understand it, is that when hearing stories of a man who you know, is beaten down, beaten all to hell, and everyone around us goes, what is this guy doing? The initial re- reaction from a woman is one of disgust. It's one of, ew, what the hell's he doing? Yuck. Most men, especially ones who were raised by a single mom, expect the reaction of the world to be one of, oh, that poor guy. You know, come here. Let me give you a hug. Are you okay? And when they don't get that from society in general, that just that takes that pitiful guy to Mr. Angry. Everyone's out. Everyone is out for me. No one's looking out for me. Victim mentality, sometimes downright violent, angry dude. Because the general reaction from everyone is yuck. I think why is it? I I understand why it's yuck. Why do you think a reaction is yuck? I think that boils down to very primitive biology. We we all live in 2021, as you said. We live in a society where gender roles are more blurry and men are allowed to have feelings. Or, you Floppy know, weenuses. Yeah, we're living in, in a world where toxic masculinity is a thing, apparently, and um, where women are expected to act like men and men are expected to act like women, basically, in, in many ways. But <gasps> the biology still is that the female is attracted to the male that is stronger than everybody else and that can kill the deer that they need to survive or whatever <laughs> they can provide. And, and a, a weak appearing male is just turning the woman off. So it's it, whether that's a disgust reaction or just a reaction of I'm not interested. I think it's pretty much the same. It's basically just a reaction of you're not fit to mate with. Yeah. But and that guy would say though, that society in general is just acted like we don't give a shit. Not necessarily every little woman that he talks to. Yeah, he notices every woman that he talks to is kind of like, oh, well, it's good seeing you again. I'll catch you later. And he's like, wow, they just have no empathy whatsoever when it comes to this kind of stuff. No, they're just not very uncomfortable talking to a man about this kind of stuff. Yeah. And I saw that when I was a blubbering ass after my ex left with some of my coworkers. We're pretty sweet and nice and because we were all close and stuff like that. But for the most part, I could see there was, there was a limit. They're just like, all right, well, got stuff to do here. And like, all right. Oh. Nobody wants to hear a, a, man, a man whine no. and, and complain for hours on end. That, uh, it, nobody wants to hear anybody complain for hours on end, but we give women a lot more Bingo. lenience. <laughs> and let's be honest. Um, a woman goes to any man and, and, you know, dabbing her eyes and saying, let, let me tell you what my, my current husband or boyfriend, awfulness he's done to me. And all these men are like, oh, sweetheart, come here. Have oh, a seat. Let's talk about yeah. this. Why is that? Yeah, but that's damsel in distress. He can rescue her and he gets laid. Bingo. Because <laughs> he wants to get in her pants. That's why. <laughs> so, and so women can use that to her advantage. They use the man as a uh, emotional tampon, as uh, Dr. Glover liked to call. It's gross. It is. But it's perfect. And um, uh, much to the chagrin of the tampon in question, the guy being the shoulder to cry on, um, he is also not necessarily uh, Mr. Loverboy in that scenario. He's just the guy that she's dumping her feelings upon, the the old friend zone thing. But again, going off on another little tangent there. Um, let's get back to the topic of these poor guys. Why are they hanging on? A lot of childhood baggage, super low uh, uh, sense of self-worth that, of course, I'm going to stick this out because what the hell choice do I have if, if this is gone? And the fear... The very real and healthy fear of um, 
this is this is my world and my uh, environment that I've been used to for X number of years or decades, and I don't want that to go away because whatever else is out there is scary. It's everybody feels that way. Um, it's comfort. You're in a. You're despite being yeah. so uncomfortable, you're mm -hmm. still so comfortable with what you know. You, you know, you know, this is a miserable, predictable <laughs> daily life. But at least I, I get my kids. I see them every day. This is my house. I can live in it. Mm -hmm. When I leave that that toxic woman, I might lose my kids. I might lose my house. I might lose my income. So there's a lot to lose there for a lot of guys, mm -hmm. more than just their face. But I'll tell you what, the, and every guy, yeah. that, you know, I talked to quite a bit of guys that have gone through the process. And yeah, quite a few of them have said, this has been hell. And I've heard the horror stories of losing their car, losing half the house equity, having to pay support and all this other nonsense. Um, which, by the way, is it's probably 50-50. I hear a lot of, I, I know quite a few guys that get majority custody of their kids. And don't have to pay a penny. And some where the better-to-do wife is paying them. Um, so it's not 100%. But I can tell you what 100% of these guys eventually tell me is kind of glad I went through that. And um, it's it's funny now that I'm free of that toxicity. I actually have more money than I've ever had. I was so concerned about money, but now I'm, I make more because I'm freer. I'm in the different career. I'm in whatever case may be. It's cathartic, that and, kind of breakup. Yeah. And a lot of these women... Um, are toxic and one way in which a lot of toxic women cope is to overspend. And a lot of these men, you know, find out huge amounts of um, credit card debt and the attic is full of stuff that she's bought online that she's never opened and all this other very typical negative stuff. Well, when that's gone, the man's like, man, it feels like I got a pay raise. And there goes the baby. Sorry about the noises because, um, Uh, men are kind of boring when it comes to our purchases. <laughs> We're not the most exciting um, spenders on the planet. You know, we tend to buy the, um, the 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 soap that is for four parts of your body at once. While women have the soap that is, you know, this soap is for my right eyebrow and this one's for my left weenus. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> and the men have the this is my face uh, body, shampoo, scalp. body conditioner, shaving gel, all in one. You know that kind of stuff. That's That's pure man right there. We're just like, I don't care. Just get me out of the store as quick as possible. Um, so I'm just saying to set some of you men at ease, I would say probably 100% of the men I've talked to eventually get to the point of, oh, I'm so glad that's done. And I agree with that. When I, I mean, I don't know how you felt, but I came out of uh, my toxic relationship first thinking, what, what? We, we've been together for uh, 15 years. We have all these memories. I can't live without this person. I can't imagine my life without this person, even though we were both not happy. Yeah. And, but fast forward a year and a half, and I'm in the best relationship I could ever imagine. I'm in a much happier place. I, I am a better person. I have better self-worth. I, I look better. I have a better physical shape. Like yeah. everything, everything got better after that. But yes, I went through hell for a good six months or so just trying to recover. Um, and I didn't have kids. I didn't. Have, we didn't have a shared house or anything like that to go through. Um, so, but I can only speak from my experience that yes, it, it's the hardest thing to rip that bandaid off. But you're ripping off all those layers of toxic dynamics that have evolved between the two of you over years and years, and you have a chance of completely reinventing yourself and restarting your life. Mm -hmm. And it sounds cliched, but your relationship with your children can actually improve. Um, It's funny. It's kind. Of, this is. There's a lot of um, 
a lot of ways in life that this applies is that when you suddenly realize that there's a, um, a limit to something, you don't take it for granted. So, you know, if I told you you have cancer and you probably have five years to live, you have all, you, you cram a lot of living into that five years. If you're like most people, you know, all that one thing that I always wanted to do, that one food I always wanted to eat, that one place I always wanted to go to, and you had 40 some years to do it. And then all of a sudden you cram all that next five years. Uh, it's kind of the same thing. I, I only have my kids every other week. Well, Saturday, we're going to go to so-and-so. Sunday, we're going to do this. Monday, I'm going to make sure that I'm, Monday through Friday, I'm working with my little kid on his homework every day, et cetera, et cetera. When before, you were kind of like, yeah, it'll get done. The wife will take care of some of that, and I'll get around to it whenever I can. And I'm tired. I'm not going to use Saturday for going out. We're just going to relax and watch cartoons. And so a lot of men report that it's kind of kicked things up a notch now that uh, my time's limited. And... Let's, uh, again, kind of setting some of your uh, guy's anxieties that he's about time with the kids. Uh, Mrs. DSO here will report, even though, all right, kids, see you later. You're going to mom's. It's still, and you oldest, I'll pick you up at football tomorrow. And you youngest, I'll see you at your basketball game the next day. Plus. Yes. Not only do you see your kids, uh, well, you see your kids still between, but you all of a sudden have a couple of nights a week where it's just you. And you can go on a date, or you can just have a man's night out, or oh, you can yeah, just play your guitar. That's the other side of this. Yeah. There's a very real, um, uh, almost shameful feeling moment that a lot of guys have, where it's they're kind of past that extreme anxiety and woe is me portion of the post-divorce world, and they're into the... I'm kind of getting my feet wet and I'm getting my feet feet underneath me rather. And I'm uh, feeling this whole single life out and uh, kind of liking it. And, oh, kids go to mom's tomorrow. Sweet. Oh, wait, I feel bad. Kids are going to mom's tomorrow. I shouldn't say sweet. <laughs> I'm their dad. I should want to see them every day. Uh, no, it's perfectly normal and human to say, sweeter. The kids are going out. Me and the new girlfriend can go out to the club. We can go out on a weekend somewhere. We can fly away somewhere. Or I can just spend time alone doing whatever the hell I want to do. Um, we're going off on a little side road here, but it's all to prove a point of um, there's a lot of men out there that are hanging on. And there's a whole lot of people watching from the sidelines saying, dude, what the hell are you doing? Um, if you take that next step, yes, there is hell that you will go through. Absolutely. Every big life decision. You know, it's funny. This is a thing I find myself saying to a lot of men. For some reason, it's been sold, and I don't know how or who, um, if it's a religion thing or what it may be, but it's, listen, if you make the right decisions in life, everything is smooth, and life will just kind of take care of itself. Always tell the truth. Always make the right decision, no matter how, how hard it is, and everything will be great. No, sometimes telling the truth and doing the quote-unquote right thing ends up in hell but it's still the right thing to do because eventually you come out of it and go ah oh, glad i did that but man there's hell to pay making that right decision for, for a little while every guy will tell you that when they go through a divorce um leave a job that's hell but it pays really well and he's like screw this i'm gonna go to this low-paying job and then you know he may suffer for it for a year or so um whatever the case may be, but in the long run, it's, it's the right decision. Now, um, there's another aspect to being a man, which is the sense of honor and the sense of duty. And that's been hammered into our heads since we're a young age. 
you're a man. This is what men do. Uh, you said your vows. You don't go sneaking off with other women. You don't be all whatever. You go and provide for your family. And a lot of men use those vows. It's basically a crutch. You know, I'm, I'm sorry if you found out that your wife has screwed around with four or five different men. And you're coming to me with, hey, I made my vows to the wife. I'm just going to look at you and say, dude, come on. Let's be real here. You're using that, that as an excuse. And I understand, and I'm not going to belittle religion in any way, shape, or form, whatever it may be. Everyone has their own thing. But some people say, you know, I'm Orthodox Jewish. We just don't divorce. I, Whatever the case may be. Um, I come from a long line of Mennonites, and we do not divorce. I, I've heard both of those things. To which I say, hey, I understand. It's kind of out of my periphery, but at the same time, um, I don't see another way out of this. And there's got to be, uh, that's where maybe the church has failed in a lot of ways. I remember talking to a priest after my uh, first wife left, and he just, his only um, his only piece of advice was basically, you do anything and all you can to keep her around. And I'm like, yeah, perhaps, perhaps you didn't just hear what I told you. <laughs> He's like, no, nah, yeah, it's... Above all else is family and marriage. And I think uh, those institutions have failed in that regard because, um, boy, they're causing a lot of unnecessary drama when I think the message should be, son, you picked a broken one. It's not your fault. It's not necessarily her, her fault either. Um, she just wasn't cut out for this, and you're, you're finding out the hard way. Shake hands and go your separate way and concentrate on raising those kids as, easy, as, as best you can. But that message is not really getting out there a whole lot. I mean, for for some people, that might might be a deal that they can work out. I mean, I'm not saying that everybody should just run if if the relationship is failing. Um, if if you are trapped or caught in a value system that is so strict and rigid, and, and you truly believe that you want to stay in a relationship that's unhealthy and you can settle for just being around for the kids and making it work until they're out of the house, I think that's okay. The only problem is is um, if there is really a person that makes you miserable and treats you like crap, is that really what your religion and your value system should be telling you? That, you, that it's okay to be treated like crap? And yes, please offer your other cheek if you get slapped on one. I don't know if that's, if that's the right message. Yeah. No. Because it fosters a culture of one person can get away with whatever, but it does take two to make it make a relationship healthy and to, to follow the, this value system. And, and again, it just really boils down to identify your boundaries and where the line is. I know where my line is, and uh, I know what I do put up with and don't put up with, and that's my strict line. Why? Because I guess I, I value myself, and I'm like, man, I keep coming back to the term of life is short. It really is. I'm going to be 50 years old tomorrow. And um, after that, it's 60 comes, 70 comes. I'm like, holy shit. And I wouldn't waste it on living my years with somebody who just makes me feel like complete and total crap. Yeah. Um, now, there's the there's the other side of the coin where there's some relationships that I talk to where she's like, we, we get along really well. And she's my, she's, I consider her my best friend. And we've been through a lot together. But she has made it pretty damn clear to me in no uncertain terms that us as a sexual couple will never ever happen again. <laughs> Bean didn't like that. Um, and it's funny, you know, what's hilarious in, in these instances is I say, I'm just curious if you went to the wife and said, um, 
cool, I get it, I understand that you're perfectly within your right to do that. I'm going to go get me a girlfriend. You know, um, nine times out of ten, the man says, well, we've actually already kind of went down that way during our last argument we had. And she says, if you ever did that, I would divorce the hell out of you and ruin you, et cetera, et cetera. Wow. I don't understand that whatsoever. Um, I mean, I'm just trying to think if you came to me and went to hold my hand or give me a peck on the cheek and I said, uh, no, just, just don't. And I did that again and again for a period of years. Eventually I would have, how can you be surprised when your partner goes, this isn't, this isn't going to cut it. You know, I need to hold your hand and give you kisses and stuff. Would you be upset if I went and found another man for that? You do. And I'll beat the shit out of you. Won't. But I think that, I think women are told that the male sex drive is something shameful or gross and they're, they're being creepy and weird by asking for sex and so i think that we grow up with this perception that he shouldn't he shouldn't expect anything sexual from me what is it who who the hell does he think he is and so i think for women it's much more acceptable to suggest yeah no let's not have sex ever again because because women just don't understand how crucial the sex drive is for the man we think this is just an accessory in a man's life uh, something through which he exerts power over the female or whatever but we are we don't understand that this is a vital a vital thing for a male on a daily basis to to just exist like it's it's as imp- sex is as important to you guys as it is as, as food is for us yes but what you're doing there is painting the picture of a woman who's just like i gotta do this because <laughs> my husband needs it oh well here we go and no as soon as we get a sense of that we're out too if yeah, you're if you're a man with any kind of value, you're out too. No, we want a woman that actually wants en- to have sex and enjoys, and it's not necessarily just the old rubbing our dirty bits together either. It's the whole. It's, it's intimacy. It's, it's not whole, just the, the sex whole package. But, it's yeah. You know. We want to feel connected. We want to yes. have sex. We want to lust after each other. We want to have that spark. But and it's, it's so hard many, to have that spark. So many get when I say the sex thing, that usually means all that other stuff goes bye bye too. Yeah. It's like you know, I tried to take my wife out to a sexy dinner and and go dancing and stuff. She's like, eh. basically. For some of the women in these relationships, the romantic side of what we do is done. I just don't have it in me anymore, not for you, not for anyone. And um, I just kind of want to concentrate on living our daily lives, being parents. And you should be cool with that too, husband. And And if if you're not, you're a monster. And I'm just imagining you and me being 75 years old. And, you know, you may have a beer belly. I may. How dare you? I may have hair loss. (laughs) He might not be most attractive anymore. And I'm just trying to picture. Are we going to still have sex then? Or what's the deal here? I think that it's okay. We may not, but I will. No, but. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I think it's okay that the, the intimacy aspect changes throughout your your life in your marriage that you might not be tearing each other's clothes off on a beach on your vacation anymore when you're 55 and you've had three kids and you've mm. been through a lot or one of you has had a bad diagnosis and you've been through sickness not that old. and i'm just that's but that's realistic a lot of people stop having sex at that age and i'm just saying it's i think it's it's okay if aspects of your sexual life change and go away, but as long as you still have that intimacy, that looking at each other and connecting, that holding hands, giving each other a, a peck on the cheek or on the neck or just anything that suggests, yes, there is still a physical, deeper, intimate connection, th- that's okay, I, I think. But yeah, if you're hearing all that, man, and shaking your head and going, yeah, I get that, but I'm 49 years old and I still want... 
I want the full Monty. I want the whole deal, what we used to have when up into up until the point of my wife had menopause or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. Um, there's a whole world out there that's going to shame you for that and tell you, dude, yes. just come on. Your wife's 52. She's had three kids. Menopause. Give the woman a break. Just hang up the old thong or, <laughs> or the sex toys or whatever it is that you guys used to do. That just ain't you anymore. Um, I'm the guy who's waving his hand going, you shouldn't be shameful or feel no, shameful for wanting all that stuff. No, but you have um, to talk about it too. Yeah. And she, you have a nice adult sit down and she says, you know, I totally see how that was fun back then. And I totally, but that just ain't me anymore. And the menopause thing hit and sex drive left with it. Well, do you want to get hormonal therapy? Maybe bring that back? Uh, no, I really don't. Well, I'm sorry. Does this mean the end of us? Um, to me, yeah, it would. Where I'm at in my mind right now, you know, ask me this 10, 20 years from now, maybe I'll be a different feller then. But right now I'd be like, yeah, no, I kind of need all that stuff. Sorry, that's big, important eroticism is what we call that. The erotic Ooh. nature of the relationship is still very important to me. And yeah. I don't feel shame in admitting that. And hey, if that makes me a monster, then hey, so be it. I think that it shouldn't make you a monster. I think the thing is that uh, both people in a relationship have a perfect right to happiness and fulfillment in the relationship. And if the wife needs you to have a job to be happy, mm. she shouldn't be shamed for that. And if you need to have sex to be happy, you shouldn't be shamed for that. It's as simple as that. Mm -hmm. You know, and some, and I've uh, this came up in several calls recently where um, uh, culturally it's not unheard of that the man has the wife and a girlfriend and they both kind of know about each other, but they don't talk about it. Uh, in Italy, they call it your gumar. And uh, in uh, France, it's a known thing. We, uh, I always talk about the French president, Macron, famously had his wife and his mistress at his funeral, and they sat next to each other. And everybody was like, holy shit, can you believe that? And a lot of the French were like, eh, it's not unheard of. We've seen that before. Um it just why am I bringing that up? It kind of illustrates the whole. This is not a uh, unusual circumstance that we're talking about here, where the men still has the, the drive, the oomph. He's still the wolf out on the prowl. He's still plumbing, still working down there, and his brain's saying, "Go get you some cowboy." And the wife goes, "You can just go find somebody else." He's like, "All right, um, not for me," uh, I, I, but I get it. Meaning, I can totally see the rationale to, behind. But to be, can I be honest here? So if if I fast forward and I'm 59 and um, we're together and we're happy and we love each other and we're intimate, but I'm just postmenopausal and I'm just not feeling it, mm -hmm. but I know you do, mm -hmm. I'm gonna suck it up. I'm gonna and and I don't care if you say, oh, I'll f I'll know if you're faking it, because <laughs> I will. I feel it is, it's my duty as your partner to, mm -hmm. to help you be happy and fulfilled. And, and here's, here's the irony. I know that's, that's, not, that's not the right word. If, I, if a man sees the wife putting in the effort, so to speak, look, I'm going to get this sexy little outfit, even though I'm a 55-year-old woman. I'm going <laughs> to get the lubes, even though I'm 55, and the sex toy, and look at this toy I just bought. And the man sees her trying, and then they're in the act, let's say, and let's get a little graphic here. And let's say, obviously, she's in pain or obviously she's not comfortable or something, the man will be that much more forgiving, loving, understandable, because he will go, hey, she's giving it a shot, but something's just not working here. Sweetheart, no, 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 let's, you know, we don't have to do this right now. Yeah, I love you that you tried, but let's figure out plan B here. 
Yeah, but the key here is that I would never shame you and say, "Ugh, go away. What do you, why do you want me to have sex with you? What's wrong with you? I would never say that. I would just say, you know what? I'm going to try. I wouldn't even tell you I'm not feeling it because that's a big turnoff. I would just say, okay, I'm, I'm going to try. If you want more sex, let's have more sex. And I would suck it up and I would do my part because I know <laughs> I know you do your part too. You you deal with my you know PMS. You deal with things mm. and you suck it up. And it's just part of what you do as a couple. Well, this brings, ooh, this is a good topic to go into. <laughs> Why don't most women share that sentiment? most is probably too strong. Let's talk about your friends that you talk to because sex comes up with some of your friends and you were surprised how many of them go blow jobs. <laughs> no, never. Yeah. And you're like, okay. Oh, oh, no, not even no better than that. They'd be like, yeah, I'd never, I, I don't like blow jobs, but I like when they go down on me. I'm like, okay, okay. that's just not fair. Well, how perfect is that? Right. <laughs> Where the hell does that come from? Is that just a, a, a sense of entitlement? Yes. It is. is. Is it society in a general patted women too much on the head and say whatever it is you like is cool, sweetheart, and then looked at the man and say, and if you want different, you're you're an animal? And so has that set in for generations to the point where a woman just <laughs> feels entitled to lay there, put her legs back and say, yeah. go to town, mister. What, uh, uh, all right, get yeah. off. And, what girls are taught is he's lucky to be there. There you go. And yeah. to get you, so you give him whatever you feel comfortable giving him, because he, he should just feel like he's the luckiest guy on the planet. That theme right there permeates everything. Yes. I'm going to insult you, Mr. Husband. I'm going to yell at you for leaving the dirty dish in the sink. And I'm going to take it really far with my yelling. And I'm going to get on you about every little thing. Why? Because you are lucky to be in my presence. And the fact that I'm sticking around and doing everything for you as your wife... Um, we're going to go down sexist territory here, but from what I've seen is that women very quick to pat themselves on the back about a lot of things. And the men that I talk to, and I understand I'm biased in who I'm talking with, are very quick to take the blame and to take out the, oh, what's the thing called that the people do when they self-flagellate? They take that whip and they whip themselves in the back. Yeah. You know, the some of the Flagely. religious people do, to reenact the Christ thing, they will hit themselves. And men are kind of doing that, the whole proverbial version of that. Um, hurt themselves. Like, I'm bad and I need to be punished. I need to work harder. I'm bad and I need to be punished. Well, women, on the other hand, tend to be, wow, well, I'm amazing for all that I've done. Obviously, there's some kind of middle ground here we can learn from each other. <laughs> women, you could, you know, hit yourself on the back every now and then and say, well, you know, I need to. I need to shape up a little bit. And men, you need to stop being so damn hard on yourself, at least from the, the groups that I speak to. That's what I see. Um, so how do we then, Mrs. DSO, how do we how do we get across to the women? You, can, you need to put a little bit more effort into this. Just because you walk into the room with your vagina doesn't give you <laughs> keys to the kingdom. There's, I, there's more to it than yeah, that. I, I honestly don't know. I think there is this... This this misunderstanding that, that for some reason men have to put in more effort. Well, it's biological that we pursue. Yeah, it's true. You I mean, know. when you look at the animal world, the, the males do all the dances. Exactly. Yeah. And you look at the birds, which ones are the prettier ones? The males with the brighter colors and the yeah. big plumage. And well, look at the the dumb, what's it called? The, the thing that sounds like our baby when she's hungry? Peacock. That, yeah, look oh, at the peacock and the, yeah, and the yeah. big feathers the and huge feathers. It's the male because yeah. he's like, "Look at me, I have good genes. Please bang me, and uh, or allow me to bang you rather." <laughs> um, and yeah, so we see that same thing with men where 
we get the nice car. Look at me and look at my nice clothes. And uh, if you're doing the mating dance right, and I'm fit and trim, and uh, I can well, get a lot of I can get a lot of other girls and so forth. Yeah. Yeah, and women do theirs too, which is uh, you can go down a whole but, rabbit hole of the cool animal behavior that people do. We don't even realize. Yeah, but it's more like once once the deal is sealed mm, and we're in the go. relationship, the woman by nature, because she has she gives birth, right? She has the the period once a month. Like we we just in perception ha have the harder. The, I'm putting this in air quotes. Yes, in, yeah. the harder deal here in the marriage because we give birth and we go through all the physical changes, the emotional changes. So in a way, society tells us, well, the man has to do something here too. So they, of course they have to step it up. They have to make the money. They have to be Mr. Dad. They have to do the dishes at home. They have to bring you ice cream, which by the way, Mr. Diesel brought me a hum humongous amount of ice cream. She can't have lactose right now. So I saw that they had lactose free ice cream at the store. So yeah, and I've been craving ice cream for whatever reason so ever it. since I gave birth. And he brought me this low calorie. It's not really low calorie. I think I've said, this, be I think I've said this before on here. The fact that there's not a parade in my honor on a daily basis I know. is a travesty. Should. Well, there is. Travesty. You just, you, you, it's, it's there every morning at 530 in front of the house. You just, you're always sleeping when it's oh, there. Oh, my bad. Yeah. 20 naked girls just oh. doing the can-can every Man. day at the entry. Well, wake me up next time. Okay. <laughs> Anyhow, I, I think there's just a society, society's message to women is you're putting in enough effort just by existing and by bleeding once a month. Um, the, the men have to now step it up and, and do their part to, to meet your your level of awesomeness. And, and I think that just gives a lot of women, and they, they hear that from their girlfriends too, when they go out for their wine and book night, that, that's all they talk about. It's all... My my man can't even do the dishes right, and here I am breastfeeding and doing the dishes because he can't get a wine glass clean to save his life. Go girl! Like those are the conversations you hear, and then it just kind of reinforces that perception that men are just a failure, and they have to try to, to three times as hard to be just as half as awesome as we are as females, and mm -hmm. that's unfortunately how society is is writing it right now. You know, it, this is kind of ancillary topic one that could have its own but it i think it fits into this a couple of guys on the groups and for those that don't, don't know go to dadstartingover.com check out the dso fraternity you can also go to dsofraternity.com join the group get in on the discussions online live meetings recorded meetings members only podcast all the audio books etc cetera, etc cetera. but anyway um some guys in the groups when I, I always post on there, hey, getting ready to do some podcast with, <clears throat> with Mrs. DSO, give me some topic ideas. And a few guys know that you're an MD, a doctor, and so they want to talk about medical stuff. And it is quite often that I hear from men, and uh, we don't want to go down this road too much because it'll be a whole other hour, but let's use this situation of I'm stuck in this relationship. It's obviously not romantic. It's obviously not sexual, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but very often men will say, my wife suffers from a myriad of medical issues. Some of those are mental. Very, very common, by the way. I don't know what the hell's going on there. We could talk about that for hours. That, that, that should be a podcast episode. Mental health and anxiety, chronic, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And sometimes that, that winds up in, in the physical realm, such as irritable bowel and fibromyalgia and uh, autoimmune and all these it's, other it's things. It's all the same, really. They're all interrelated. Yeah. But anywho... Or let's 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 shove the mental aspect aside, and let's say we have a guy who's, um, oh, I don't know, poor wife had some kind of accident, and uh, some people don't cope very well with that kind of stuff. 
And their method of coping is to lash out, become more toxic, become more negative. And but the the poor guy's stuck saying, if that I were woman, if, yeah. if I were to leave now, what kind of asshole would I? Everybody be? in the planet Earth would come to this woman's defense and paint me as a villain. Um, but I've been dealing with this for a year, two years, and it's just not getting any better. We're getting further apart. Yeah. She she can't function without me. I'm I'm now her nurse. I'm this. I'm her that. What a tough position to be in. And I remember uh, in medical school, I worked at a oncology clinic, so a clinic that specializes in treating cancer patients. And a very common scenario that I saw was when the female had a diagnosis of cancer, the males really stepped it up. They mm. were at the bedside night and day. When the males got cancer, the females ran off with the next best husband that yeah. they could find. Um, so, so so really, give, give the guys credit here. They're really... They're really, really faithful, loving humans because they know if I leave my wife now, society is going to shame me. If my wife were to leave me during illness, everybody would say, oh, poor you, your husband had cancer. That must have been so tough. You go, girl. Mm. <laughs> Find yourself a, a better life. I guess that's that's just how we're wired. I don't know mm. why, but it is. And um, Well, there's that we talked about it before, the, yeah, the hypergamy thing with the women tend to go for – um, who's, no, the, no, yeah, who's no. the strongest, who's the this, yeah. who's the that. And then when it's, as soon as they get a sense for, uh-oh, he's now weaker than me, he's below me, he's he relies on me. Yeah. Um, I, I've heard from a myriad of women, as soon as I get a sense that that guy relies on me for his well-being, ooh, yuck. And, and honestly, <laughs> when uh, I mean, you and I have had a, a tiny, a very tiny taste of what it means for one of us to be sick when I was down with my back mm. injury and had two surgeries within a week. And uh, I mean, I, I had my, my days where I would lash out cause I was in so much pain. Um, no, I wasn't really. the most, no, I w what? you were fine. No, you never lashed. Out. I really thought I wasn't very, <laughs> you're a little grumpy, but no, okay, you, whatever. You, you, yeah. You never, but I was, me. I was needy. You had to do a lot. I mean, you had to suck it up with my mom in the house. In a, well, let's not say house in a two bedroom apartment at the time. Mm. It was, it was not an easy time. And I relied on you doing everything. And so, Fast forward and imagine this goes on for a whole year. Mm. It becomes a normal new dynamic now that you do everything, and I just lie there and my pay with my pain medicines, get lazy and demand everything. And you very quickly just have a completely altered relationship, where one person does all and one person is always forgiving and understanding because the other person is the the ill victim. And so I think it is important that if you find yourself in a a long term medical situation like that that you find counseling that helps you cope with that where you talk about maybe your resentment that you feel as the provider that you're like man i i mean she she just doesn't do anything anymore because she now says oh i can't mm -hmm. get up because of my back i can't do this because of my back why don't you do this why don't you ever do anything and and i think that's that's your only hope is to find somebody that helps you cope with those times and also who resets the dynamics after a while because there might be things yeah. that you're spouse can start doing again once they start feeling better. I was going to say, but for some of these men, they look down the road and they go, this is never getting better. My wife has, you know, this kind of cancer, which is going to be, you know, treatable for the X number of years. But she's in the process. We had to remove so many organs and she's, you know, on a Miserable. colostomy and she's this yeah. and that. You and have financial restraints. This is never, yeah. ever going to get better. It will always be like this. Um, and for them, it seems kind of hopeless. Yeah, and it, it is best for case, some people. Best case scenario is that she owns up to, hey, I, I thank you for all that you do. I appreciate everything about you and everything you've done for for us. 
That's about as far as she can go. Yeah, but this is as with every crisis in a marriage. If your marriage was good before, you will get through it lovingly. Like if I, when I got sick, you were the most loving husband, and I, I tried to be as appreciative as I was because I really saw what you were doing on a daily basis. If our relationship wasn't healthy then that sickness would have brought out the worst of both of us because whatever resentments you were already holding, um, they would come out. Whatever toxicity you already had, it would be get more tox toxic during those times. So if you find yourself in in a long-term disease process and you love each other, then you'll get through it okay and, and you'll suffer together until the end of, of whatever the disease is. But if you're not in a good relationship, then it'll come out. And th that's the question is if, if it gets so toxic, is it okay to leave your, mm. your dying wife? Here's the tough question, though. <laughs> Patrice O'Neill was a comedian who died, but he had a hilarious bit about this. Um, I won't go into his bit, but basically he said, uh, what if, say, your woman was in an accident, accident and her vagina fell out? <laughs> and, so, and so she's completely incapable of doing anything. But man, you two just love each other to pieces. Yeah, and she still has two other holes. <laughs> that was the joke. He said. He said in the. He said up on stage. So, ladies, let's say your vagina fell out. What would you do to keep your man around? And women started yelling out in the audience, "My ass, my mouth." He goes, "Ass, okay, mouth, okay." And he goes, "Okay, see, you just reduced yourself to a set of holes." <laughs> Oh boy, I just did too. Yes, that's so Same sad. Thing. Okay, so let's say every or orifice is sealed up, <laughs> and she's just this sofa cushion, right? With 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 eyes. This is so disrespectful. <laughs> and but you still love each other. <laughs> There's nothing wrong in the marriage, but he has needs. You talk about it. You talk about how to meet each other's needs because she has needs too. It's not just no, because she, she doesn't. She's a sofa cushion with eyes. She's done. I'm sorry. This is horrible. All of her, all of her reproductive organs are gone. Okay, but this brings me back to if you have intimacy, you will find a way. Remember mm. the movie where the guy liked his ear earlobes rubbed for sexual pleasure? The, the guy that was in the, the wheelchair. wheelchair. Yeah. 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 So what I'm saying is, is, is mm -hmm. if you love each other, you'll, you'll figure it out. If you don't, if you don't have the intimacy, then this is a deal breaker because yes, if, if you don't have the intimacy and sex is just sex, then yes, your wife is just a, a person with three holes. Um, this is so taste, tasteless. Yes, but it's, hey, guys, it's think awful. about this stuff. You know, yeah. if you're a sofa cushion, I love you to death. Sofa cushion, I'll lay with you on the couch and we'll watch you TV. Could, you still can, you can, you find you, ways. I usually like to put my laptop on and stuff like that. We're wow. watching TV and no, stuff. No, but you can still have a conversation. You can still have sexy talk. You can, I don't know, you find ways to be sexy with each other. But there's still that very visceral, that's the guy who, as soon as that 19-year-old at work I, you know what? You look cute in that shirt. I'm sorry, He's but I think I love you enough that if I was just a sofa cushion, I would say, go please bang that sexy nurse that comes here yeah, every but morning. The thing is that you would say that anyway. Cause <laughs> <laughs> cause yes, because I want to watch. <laughs> See, you have problems. <laughs> so wrong. All right, so. I don't like where this is going. No. And I'm, I'm very sorry for all of you who actually have medical diagnoses in the family. And It's tough. Yeah, it is. It's one of the hardest challenges, and that's why they yeah. bring it up in the wedding vows, right? They say in sickness and in, in health. health. Because invariably, it's going to happen eventually. Yeah. And um, yeah, life in general just throws all kinds of shit at you as a couple, but you, you 
can work through all of it. But together, but that's the thing. If you both have the tools to do so, and that's a it's a uh, analogy that I keep coming back to is tools in your toolbox. Not all of us have the same emotional set of tools in our emotional toolbox, because that's what we're talking about: the ability to cope, how to care for one another. If you marry a woman who has a laundry list of some really terrible baggage in her past, abuse, um, what have you, and um, we've talked about the red flags ad nausea, but it's um, she's not going to cope too well with it. And so you're sitting there just waiting for this person to take on skills that they've never had and never will have. And that doesn't make them a horrible human being. It doesn't make them a monster. It just makes them somebody who's probably not cut out for this whole marriage thing. No, but I'm saying if you're already married and you're noticing in your early, very first phases of building a house or one of you loses a job for a while, that, that the other person doesn't have any coping skills. They start shutting down. That's when angry. you talk about it. You bring it up then and you say, mm. hey, girl, you know. You're, I think you're struggling quite a bit, and you you may need some help mm -hmm. here. But what you're doing though is you are playing the part of a person who has um, a sense of worth, because anytime you start tiptoeing towards that Miss um, Spouse, let me tell you about something that I'm not liking here. What you're saying is, I realize I may piss you off, and I realize you may turn around and say "F you, Mister," and run out the door, and that's okay. Because if that's the way you are, then adios. Some of, the, uh, some of these guys do not have that mechanism in their brain. They don't have that stuff. Yes, they have it the... Happy wife, happy life. Correct. They yeah. have the fixing mechanism. They say, my wife isn't yes. happy. I need to fix it. I think she needs a Mercedes. I will do whatever I yes. can. I work extra hours. I will lease that Mercedes. Oh, shit, she's still upset. Yeah, but we'll, that's the point. We'll get a bigger house. We'll do, and they just because they have no sense of worth and they have no sense of abundance in life. And well, it's just... Or they might have grown up with a, with a mother that was just like that, that had anger yeah, issues. That's, that's, and That's more often than not. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So they might just be like, yeah, that's how women are. And that's okay if they throw the, the china across the room at me. <laughs> That's and, fine. And then it gets to the point where it's just too much. And they just can't handle it anymore. And then they call me. Or not call me. Yeah, but they, here's the thing. How, how do we help people identify those? I mean, you have that list of red flags. But how do you identify those toxic, key toxic signs where it's time to say, hey, you, you need help? What I've found is that pretty much every guy knows. They know. Most of the calls that I have end with me saying, this is yet another example of you know what to do. You've always known what to do. It's just really, really tough thing to do. That's all there is to it. And because invariably these guys will paint a picture for me that basically can be summarized as, DSO, let me tell you what a shitty person my wife is. And I listen and listen and listen. I'm like, okay, you sold me about 10 minutes ago. You can stop now. Jesus, what a horrible, yeah, she ain't cut out for this wife thing. So what are you doing sticking around playing the part of husband? Mm-hmm. Because I really don't like me very much is basically the in a roundabout way the response. So, what's the point of this whole talk? Well, the point is that we were starting this out with what is real love, and and what what is yeah. the point where you leave each other, right? Yeah. And uh, I think it starts with real love starts with you loving yourself and respecting yourself. And if you don't do that, you will never find a partner that will do that for you. And when you say that, some people have such a low sense of self-worth that they immediately jump to, then, you know what, I may never, ever find anybody. And that frightens the hell out of me, going through this life alone. But it's what's the, the grandest irony of all is that um, the more you have that, oh, I can't go through life alone, the more you are apt to 
attract those toxic moths to the flame, so to speak. They're just going to pick up on that sense, low sense of self-worth and neediness, and they'll be like, hmm, this one looks attractive. Versus if you're like, hey, if I don't find anybody between now and the day I die, that's the one, my real true love. It sucks, but it is what it is. I'll still be happy. I'll still be all right. Then the floodgates open, and here come all the normal ones. Yeah. It's so funny how that works. I think the 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 key element is here to start with yourself and start start getting yourself in a better place and getting yourself in that place where you're like, I'm all right by myself. I have a good life. I have friends. I like myself. I like where I'm at in my life. Um, if you're in that place, you will always be okay. And you will you may not find that, that one true love, but you may find companionship, at least for a while, that, that'll make you happy, I think. I just think that you shouldn't have to go through life thinking I can't go through life alone. That that's that's a bad place to start from because yeah. that puts you in the mode of I'm going to settle for whatever I get. And here's to end on a um, on a cynical negative note. Real love that we're talking about to people. Let's let's define it by my definition of the word. There's, 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 of course, that initial phase of, ooh, who's that cute thing over there? The lustful, getting to know them, yeah, falling in love phase. The butterflies. And then there's the, we're getting comfortable, and I really, truly am falling in love with this person. And then it's, oh, here comes life's first hiccup. Here comes life's 67th hiccup. And, hey, we're still working through this. I, I love them no matter what. Now we're old, and we've had kids and grandkids, and now we die. There's real love for you. How rare do you think that is? Very. Yeah. Very, very, very rare. And I think one thing that we've been taught, unfortunately, is that, oh, no, shit, that's the normal. No, that happens all the time. Your, mm. your grandma and grandpa had it. Your great-great-grandma and grandpa had it. You can have it, too. First step, go get you a woman. That one over there looks really cute that seems to like you. Marry her. And then you start from there. And go, no, 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 no. It's work. Both your parts. And that's why it's so rare, because both of you have to have that same mindset of, this is work. You're right, it's work. And this is what we're going to do. Damn right, that's what we're going to do. And this is my role, and that's your role. You got it. And away we go. But, man, that's tough. Yeah. And I think a lot of you have, um, oh, what's the word? You've not um, you've not placed enough importance, or you, uh, you haven't really fully realized just how rare that is and how tough that is to find and how much work it takes to make it work. And the very first step is poss- quite possibly the toughest, which is uh, you got to have some self-worth and a sense of abundance in life. Otherwise, it's just you're starting off on the wrong foot. And I think by hearing that, a lot of you are kind of ha- going to hang your head and go, well, shit, sounds like my relationship was kind of doomed from the beginning. And from what I've gathered from talking to a lot of you, yep. Sorry, guy. You're exactly right. <laughs> um, but life isn't over. And Hey, oh, and Bean agrees. She's hungry. Oh, is the boob coming out? No, she's hurt too much. Can the boob come out, though? No, it, it will not come out. It's really hot You know what should here. come out, though? The boob. No, it will not. It's still hot down here. I turned the air conditioning off because it gets... You wanted me to take my shirt off. That's why you turned it off. <laughs> no, because it gets too noisy. Yeah, sure. Or that, sure. All right, folks. I think that about covers it, wraps it up. Um, check out one new thing I want to end on. Um, this isn't very, I should have probably started with this, but, uh, we have a sponsor officially. 
Ooh, how cool. We're moving up in the world. Um, you know, I mentioned the, uh, the coaching. Um, coaching isn't something that is just the rubber stamp fixes everything. There are plenty of times where we will talk to a guy and we'll be like, you know what, dude? You seem to have a problem with depression, anxiety, coping, whatever it may be. And it sounds chronic and you've dealt with it for a while. Have you talked to anybody about this? And man, more often than not, guys will tell me, uh, nope, never have. Just never done the counseling thing, never did anything professional. Well, why not? Well, I work too much. You know, I'm working three jobs. I got two kids. I don't have any time for that. And some people are like, I'm worried if my employer finds out about me going to get help. I'm worried what they may think. Um, or I live out in the middle of nowhere and I can't find a counselor around here that specializes in that kind of stuff. Well, we have partnered with a company called BetterHelp. And if you go to betterhelp.com slash DSO, betterhelp.com slash DSO, or if you can just go regular BetterHelp and use the uh, promo code, coupon code DSO, and you will get 10% off of your first month of service. And why it's pretty good, actually. Why BetterHelp is so cool is that you are able to be matched with a counselor that matches exactly what it is you need. You know, they give you a little questionnaire. What are you dealing with? Well, I'm dealing with anxiety. So they'll bring up, you know, well, and where do you live? I live in the middle of nowhere, Kentucky. Well, here's some counselors that are near you. But here's the thing. You don't go meet them in person. You do all of your talking over your phone through the app, either via chatting, texting back and forth, emails back and forth, or you can physically talk to them. I think they even allow you to see them. You can do FaceTime, yeah. Do the FaceTime. It's wonderful. And I, I think it's fantastic. I love the idea, especially for you guys that are, this needs to be on my time and uh, I feel weird about going to go see people in person for whatever reason. Perfect. So go check it out. Betterhelp.com slash DSO. It's betterhelp.com slash DSO. And again, please check out dadstartingover.com and the DSO fraternity to join being a a group of men from all over the world. So thanks a lot, guys, and we will see you on the next one. If you're listening to this, you're probably a guy who is interested in self-improvement. You probably consume a lot of information like these podcasts, YouTube videos, audiobooks, courses, everything you can to learn more and help you become the best man that you can be. And if you're like a lot of men, there's something still missing. Well, I can tell you what that missing thing probably is. Quality time with other men that are on the same mission as you. Some of you probably have casual relationships with your fellow soccer dads or the occasional beer with guys from the neighborhood, but none of them seem to be on the same page as you. Am I right? They seem content with their shitty marriages, their shitty jobs, and their expanding waistlines. They have all but given up. You find yourself talking to them about the same football teams, listening to their stories about their subpar home life, and you're getting to the point where you dread hanging around them. Well, the good news is that we have assembled a group of men just like you. We call our group the DSO Fraternity. We have live Zoom meetings that are hosted by yours truly, along with the other members of the DSO team. We have a very active private discussion forum, a Discord server for our lifetime members, a members-only podcast, access to my books in audiobook and PDF format at no extra charge, discounts on one-on-one coaching with myself and other members of the team, discounts on our video courses, and access to our in-person gatherings. We have met in Nashville, Tennessee, Austin, Texas, Las Vegas, Australia, Amsterdam, and soon in New Orleans. So check it out, the DSO Fraternity at dsofraternity.com. 
we have monthly, annual, and lifetime membership options available. I think you will find our group is the missing piece of the puzzle that you have been looking for.